Welcome to the Obsession Digression, a podcast that explores all of the cultural things that obsess us. I'm Sam Bernard Shake, and I'm Katie Walker. Sam, how's it going? <laughs> Katie, you there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just the end of the episode. We're just like, yeah, yeah. I'm done. So thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Sam, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing well. Yeah. What's new with yeah, you? I'm realizing I don't have any stories to tell. Oh, damn <laughs> I it. I know I do. It was one of those things where, like, you know, for, like, the last two weeks, I've been like, oh, I should talk about this when we record. I should talk about this. And, and then you I got can't nothing. I remember. I'm just going to scroll through a text briefly. How are you? <laughs> I'm fabulous. I'm in, like, a... I can only describe it as a classical rock kind of mood, you know, where it's just, like, there's a lot of guitar going on in my life right now. There's a lot oh, of like so? heavy angst happening, not mm-hmm. angst, but just like mm-hmm. enthusiasm for, well, so I'm really excited because I leave for a research trip next week um, to Chicago. So it's a city I haven't explored very much. So I'm very much looking forward to, you know, seeing new places, trying new restaurants, that sort of thing. Oh, um, you're going at like such a great time too, because yeah. the weather's going to be great there. Yeah, I know. I'm really excited. And um, turns out I have a few friends that will be there, so I won't be completely <laughs> alone <laughs> as I as I originally thought I was going to be. So uh, that's fabulous. And yeah, just other things are just, I don't know, it's just an exciting time. I'm, you know, I'm applying for a bunch of stuff. So it's always kind of nice to like have that like, there's so many what-ifs in my life, and I kind of thrive off of that energy of, yeah, like, oh, I, I could get this thing, or I could get this other thing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all good. Nice. Yeah. So, I'm scrolling through our text, and I'm remembering things I want to talk about. First, apropos nothing, we got some <laughs> early reviews for Stephen King's It, and it's supposed to be really good. So oh my gosh. We have not gotten a good Stephen King adaptation in, oh, 30 years? So yeah. <laughs> really excited about this. Can't wait. Gunslinger, um, man. So bad. <laughs> Did you see it? I didn't see it, but I saw all of the really awful reviews uh, of it. It's I have just to like. Say, if you look up the trailer, it is. I, I've only seen the trailer. It's one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. <laughs> and it just like died. There was like hype about it. You know, they came yeah. out with new covers for the, the, the book series, and there was just this oh, hype. Oh, really? Yeah, and then nothing. You I mean, like, <sighs> it's like even the actors and the movie producers themselves were like, oh, we're embarrassed. <laughs> Let's let this <laughs> yeah. go away. So, They're like, Idris, Matthew, we booked you on every late night show to promote, and they called their agents, like, just cancel everything. Yeah, <laughs> like, just, just don't. Just don't talk about it. I'm just I'm just gonna eat some mac and cheese. I don't know why, but that's like my go-to if like something <laughs> doesn't work out. I'm just gonna eat some mac and cheese. Okay, that's fair. so it's comfort food. So, um, and uh, then just a couple, King coming out. Yeah, yeah, couple quick New York stories. Uh, <laughs> I think I sent you a picture of this, but uh, was walking home from work, turned the corner, and there's garbage on the streets. Like, it's not something, you know, it's not a ton of garbage, but you just learn to, like, not really see it when you're doing this just general detritus blocking your mm-hmm. way. You step over it. But I sort of realized that, like, I was seeing the same shape and color, like, every few steps. And I looked up and I realized that 
there was a trail of twisters or twizzlers, not twisters. <laughs> twizzlers that I'd been walking and following and that were right. leading somewhere. So I followed the twizzlers and they led to the entrance <laughs> of the liquor store around my corner. <laughs> and so I somebody... really want to know who constructed this and why. Somebody is having like the most glorious day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're like, I'm just going to like, you know, eat Twizzlers with abandon to the point where they're just falling on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. It's and like then when I'm a Muppet eats something. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just go everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I know. It made me so happy to see. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and then my only other story, it's just like a sort of classically stupid thing I do is that um, I should preface by saying I have two problems in my life right now. One is that there are no cafes in my neighborhood that are open past seven, which is really frustrating because uh. sometimes you want a cup of coffee or you want to go do work somewhere after you eat. Where is one to go? Yeah. The other is that I have not gotten my prescription updated in many years now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something I'm becoming ever more cognizant of, but have not done. And I couldn't find any coffee place on Yelp. And I was like, you know what? I just am going to trust that there is a coffee place somewhere. And so Mm -hmm. I just went outside and started walking south and walking. And then I saw like down the street and across the way, this sort of marquee. Is that what you'd call it? Oh, no. Oh, no. It just dropped my call. Sorry. It, I don't know why I just dropped that call. Oh, I don't either. I'm so sorry. Actually, I accidentally picked up on my... Or I called you for my cell phone. Oh, no. Okay. Can Here, you let me, me back and I'll pick yeah. up on my computer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Fuck. What happened? It's just like... It's fucking up. It dropped his call. You have perception fine. It's three bars. Yeah. Okay, that was totally my fault. My phone started ringing saying the person calling was me. Oh! <laughs> and I was like, why? How am I calling myself? How and did it was you like call beep- yourself? It was instead of ringing, it was like beeping. Yeah, I heard I a little no bit idea. of beeping. Oh, that no. That was really weird. It's coming from inside the house. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to jump okay. into this somewhere where I think I can edit it easily. <laughs> okay. So, okay, you started walking south. I think that's that was a good point. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I didn't see any cafes on Yelp, but I was like, fuck it, I'm going to find a place. I want some coffee, and I don't want to make it myself. So you and are so going on an adventure. Mm-hmm. So nighttime, not the best time for seeing things. Bad prescription. I'm walking, I'm walking, and I see, like, down the street and across the street, there's some sort of, like, storefront, but it's wrapped around the corner, so I'm only seeing the edge of it. And it's called the Urgent Cafe. And I was like, oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And I was like, I love the branding. Let's do this. <laughs> and so I start like hustling over there. And there's like, I pass one window and it's got this sort of like, I don't know what you'd call it. Sort of like a sterilized, like very like health spa sort of design inside. And I was like, oh, this doesn't look great. There are no tables Aww. in here. There are just a couple chairs. And so, but then I'm like, oh, but I see the bar and someone's standing there. So I guess they're open. Walk inside. It's an urgent care unit. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So I walked in, I looked around and was like, 
oh no <laughs> and then i walk back out i do not need help oh my gosh cafe <laughs> at least sam at least you did not pull the barbershop move again <laughs> Where uh, hello? <laughs> you feel so awkward that you have to pretend like you've received a phone call and <laughs> No, yep. actually I don't need urgent care. It's it's all good. <laughs> oh, you you know what? I feel fine now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So left quickly oh and then uh took the subway, you know, a couple of stops south and I found a sad, sad Starbucks. Oh and just uh got a coffee. Yeah. Well at least you got a coffee. You but know? you know what? Mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> that's that's all you need. And then you went home and ate some mac and cheese. And then, yep. And I canceled <laughs> all my late show appointments. Exactly. <laughs> so speaking of not being able to see well, because I have this problem in the extreme, right? Like I have very bad vision and... um. You know, obviously, I don't sleep with contacts in or anything like that. And so I think you've heard this story before, Sam. But one time I was just waking up and I see Lady McPug in the corner of my room. And so I was like, come here, come here, come Mm -hmm. here. And just over and over again, I spent like three (laughs) or four minutes calling to her. And I finally put on my glasses and, and actually it's funny because just now a dog just like came over to me. (laughs) (laughs) One of them was like, oh, you wanted to see me? Anyways, I finally put on my glasses and yes, it's a small tan trash can that I'm speaking to. (laughs) (laughs) My dog is nowhere in sight. And I was like, oh, I mistook my precious puppy for a, for a trash can. Yeah. Listen, we've all been there. Yeah. Then I ate some mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. I feel like the mac and cheese joke, I know it's it's already too much. We've only been recording for like five minutes, but... And yet, it's still light years more charming than anything that this movie could come up with. Well, that's what I was about to say, is that oh, it kind really? of fits... Well, like, like this lame, overused joke is perfect for the movie that we're discussing today because that's all that this movie is. <laughs> yeah, and it's, at least our uh, our recurring joke is rooted in comfort food and not uh, racism. <laughs> so. Yeah. Or like weird, weird sexuality, not sexuality, but uh, sexual yep. desires. Techno so many questions. Desires. Techno so sex. just to, Sex no. Sex no. Oh, there you go. Still, sex bot. Still workshopping. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that there are terms out there for it. But anyways, we're talking about Short Circuit, 1986. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. This is a actually, okay, I'm going to save this for the end for later in the podcast. So go right ahead. Well, okay. I just want to preface this heavily. I want to heavily preface this. Um, I want to belabor this point. Okay. I loved this movie as a child. Haven't seen it for 20 years or so, and uh, when we were when we were coming up with the plan for this season, I was like, okay, this will be the perfect kind of cap, right? Because we're talking about more kind of dark, um, apocalyptic movies, and this will be kind of a, a fun way to to end with a bang, right? Yeah. Um. So have well these fond fond <laughs> memories. <laughs> 
um, you know, watching this movie over and over again, I did not remember all of the weird, problematic shit <laughs> whatsoever in this film. So let well, me just I say. Ask, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go, ask away. Well, so you said you haven't seen this in 20 years, but how many times had you seen it as a kid? Was this one you watched a like a ton? So how yeah, much I watched... movie did you remember? I remembered a funny robot hanging out with animals and Steve <laughs> Gutenberg. That's what I remembered. That was it. It's, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it falls in that class of movies like Homeward Bound or... I was just talking to know? someone about Homeward Bound last week. <laughs> Like, you That's know the so general funny. plot co- contours, but you, like, you can't remember specific scenes unless you've seen it recently. Oh, That's... I remember very specific scenes from Homeward Bound. Okay, okay. Chance, Shadow, <laughs> Sassy. That's their names. I don't, I don't know any of that Okay, stuff. so this movie is, like, burned in my brain because it was one, okay, this was the conflict when we were kids. My young, you know, I, I don't know what order or how we went about choosing movies that we ended up like renting or owning, but my younger sister loved any movies that just had animals in them. Uh-huh. So she was always going for like animal protagonist movies. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah. I find it very stressful. This is also the reason why I do not care for Toy Story is that I do not like narratives where people are lost or estranged from like home. <laughs> <laughs> like it really Fair stresses enough. me probably to this day like i'd have to rewatch one to find out so but... this is why you hate game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> every person on that show is lost and that's estranged. a great point no i hate that show for so many other reasons i'm sure that's in the mix somewhere but it's lost in the larger sauce of like that show's flaws yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, because in my bounds. mind, it's like we need to get this resolved before this movie can start, you know? And so mm. it's like we need to get you back home so that we can all take a deep breath and enjoy this movie. And so, when that <laughs> is just the movie, I find that I'm just finally like relaxing at the end and then it's over. Yeah, that's not pleasant. That's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, I don't know. Like, I don't see that dog fall like a long distance. Like, there's no way he really would have survived that fall from that log <laughs> over that waterfall. Yeah, yeah fair. Guys, I have not seen this movie since I was, like, 10. I, this is how much it stayed with me. <laughs> and I'm, like, trying to remember a dog falling over a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how much I didn't pay attention, obviously. <laughs> so, okay. we're But we're talking about this movie, Short Circuit, And it's another, we could say it is another, like, lost and then found narrative because there is a robot that is lost, but But he doesn't want to be found. Yeah, it's like an escape narrative. That robot is a fugitive. Yeah. (laughs) One that can destroy, like, billions of people. Except that he seems to forget that at many, many points throughout the throughout the movie that like said, he runs yeah. in fear and is like no <laughs> you're like just fucking shoot him with your lasers then like this is not yeah. difficult <sighs> okay well, let's like let's just go right to the start yeah let's let's set the scene for this because i have the scene so much set with that just like bolded underline o- <laughs> opening image <laughs> of just like these this beautiful nature scene with these vibrant red flowers 
run over by military tanks. <laughs> Which, okay, this first scene, rewatching it, I did not remember that they were dummies, right? So you you have this I didn't setup, know. yeah, where all of these military vehicles are driving around and they are confronting this group of robots and. Number five, the protagonist to our story is one of these robots, as we'll find out later. But you don't know that or anything. You can't tell that there are dummies on this tr- on these trucks. So these robots just destroy <laughs> all of these lives. And I can't I can't help but think like for a child how traumatic that would be yeah. until that moment of reveal where you're like, oh, actually they were all mannequins, right? Right, but before you know they're mannequins, like we not only see the trucks explode, but then we like pan over like bodies on fire. (laughs) What? Yeah, exactly. So it turns out. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's just, it's a demonstration, right? Of these magical robots that this company Nova is um, producing. And there are military interests in it. There are humanitarian interests. It's very confused as to, like, what the purpose of these robots are, except that well, they have the ability to destroy mankind. Right. So we the, the sort of, like, twist of the scene is that this is part of, yeah, this larger conference in which this uh, sci-fi sort of tech development company has invited all of these military professionals there to try to sell them these robots as... Um, as weapons. And one crucial piece of <laughs> information that I want to identify here so that we can refer back to it um, as I kvetch throughout this episode is that um, the guy who's... Do you remember his name? The guy who is, like, presenting the robots? Oh, Dr. Howard? Howard, yeah, yeah. He's, like... He starts talking about how these robots... Uh, can can live and survive in any sort of like climate or adverse weather conditions mm-hmm. and then he sort of gets cut off so that they can the robot can like mix him a drink yeah <laughs> then, <laughs> so i really want to just point out the fact that he says they can survive in adverse weather conditions and then the entire movie is about like robots being foiled by like basic elemental yeah sort of things <laughs> but when he makes him the drink he like receives the drink and he's like just how i like it shaken not stirred and the audience laughs and you can hear someone though you know it's like an extra who just really wanted this to be his big break laughs so hard <laughs> it is like it sounds insane i'm going to we haven't been including like any footage because it takes a lot of time and we only very loosely understand fair use law, so yeah. <laughs> but I'm or gonna technology. See if I can, well, that too. I'm gonna see if I can find the clip to include in this. Yes, do it. Your cocktail, Doctor Mariner. Thank you, number two. Mm, just the way I like it, shaken but not stirred. I I didn't notice that. I was just concentrating on how fucking ridiculous it was that he's like, look at all these things these robots can do. And mainly they're just like moving coffee tables. You know what I mean? Like they're just like, here, here, that's your drink. And that's, I don't know. It's just, it seems so trivial, right? Um, It was really dumb. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because also like, yeah, you can't have, if you buy, if you buy one of these things, like, you're not going to be able to use it as both a butler and a weapon of mass destruction. Like, you're really <laughs> going to have to choose. Exactly. 
Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so, so during yeah. this whole event, Dr. Howard, who's kind of like the head honcho, he's like the fundraising guy, he's a scientist turned businessman, he wants for the kind of designer of these robots, um, Dr. Crosby, to kind of schmooze potential investors and politicians. And Dr. Crosby, played by the lovable Steve Gutenberg, um, kind of hates people, right? Like, he doesn't really want to schmooze. He wants to, like, stay in his office at, mm-hmm. or laboratory and just, like, play with more robots. <laughs> he doesn't want them to be militarized. He doesn't want to, yeah. Like, he's just making yeah. them to for the, for the joy and wonder of, like, creating artificial sort of like robot life. Yeah. And we also have to get to the elephant in the room, which is Fisher Stevens' performance. Oh, I know. I did not remember this at all, dude. (laughs) This is all I knew about the movie because it's so notorious. So Fisher Stevens, do you remember the name? I can look it up really quickly. He plays a character named Ben Jabatuya, who is an Indian man with... A stereotypical Indian accent. Yes. And apparently the the actor had to use, like, makeup to yeah, darken his complexion. Yeah, in brown face. Ugh, I hate this. Um, was... And he's... <laughs> it's shocking. It's <laughs> like... so painful, dude. It's it's almost on par with last week's Weird Science. Um, just travesty, right? It's oh, just side so note about that. I actually read this article about like other like really racist characters in John Waters movies. So oh, it's yeah? a trend for John or not John Waters, John Hughes. <laughs> Different oh, person. well, fuck that guy. Oh, I, I know. didn't know that. I should link to it in show notes. Yeah, do it. Okay, so we and have. I kind of think like, okay, this is like some scientist's like assistant. He's only going to be in these early scenes that take place in the laboratory, right? Like, we're just tolerating him for like 15 minutes and then we're moving on. Yeah. But no, he He's... hits the road with Steve Gutenberg. And I will admit that like his sex craze is kind of funny, right? So it's like weird. <laughs> it's but it's it's humorous, right? Like he's like I'm sporting a major Woody right now just by like they're talking about having a conversation with a girl. Um and the character is just like constantly horny. It's so ridiculous. Dude, he keeps speculating as to whether or not Ali Sheedy might still be a virgin. Like, yeah. That is, oh, I mean, that's like just such a weird thing to talk about. I know, but and also to talk in about a constantly. children's movie. <laughs> <laughs> but so also, like, for... there were a lot of things he said that I didn't understand. Like, I wrote some down. Like, okay, I understand. Like, the one where he says to Stephen Gutenberg, like, "I'm sick of being the one who wears the dress" or something like that. To be like, yeah. he's the one who has to go face the public or whatever. Yeah. Like, okay. But then they were, when Howard's talking about how dangerous it is that, that what's his name? The robot's name? Five? Number five? Jo- yeah. And he later renames five. him, yeah, Johnny Five. When he's like, it is a big deal that Johnny Five gets out. What if a, what if a, a bus full of nuns is driving down the street and gets blown up by his laser? What are the headlines going to say? And then he says... Fisher Stevens' character says, "Nun soap," and I was like, "I don't understand this joke." Or maybe it's nun soup, but like neither of those lines made sense to me. Yeah, I think it's nun soup. Um, 
And I didn't get that one either. <laughs> I actually wrote a note too, and I was like, what? Nun soup? I guess that's like just a cultural reference that I've lost or never had, right? So or I guess like they'll be melted oh. by the laser, so they'll like gross. Yeah, I don't know, but he says some really awful, like just misogynist, terrible things throughout the oh, yeah. movie, and it's it's gross. It's just gross. So, so, oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, can we talk about uh, like the genesis of number five? Because yes. I thought this was the most ridiculous thing. Okay, Again, so keeping in mind that we were just told that robots can can weather. <laughs> any environmental any, factor. Any environmental situation these robots can handle, but there's a thunderstorm outside of Nova, and some dumb One would ass say the most common of environmental <laughs> factors. Well, somebody put one of these billion-dollar robots on top of a generator. That's, <laughs> like, that's how number five, like, has this Frankenstein moment. It's mm-hmm. that he's sitting on a generator during a thunderstorm and lightning hits him and he becomes sentient or you know he he acquires the ability to think and feel right so well one of the first instances of him feeling is that okay maybe i did not read this correctly but he's sort of just wandering the hallways of that compound and he decides to follow another robot whose like cord is hanging down yes! behind and it's sort of like gendered to be like a female robot and I, I was literally like, wrote is this is johnny five like well, sexually like desiring this other robot i literally wrote in my notes sexy cord <laughs> <laughs> exactly <Like> what <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say uh, about it. Okay, so now number five is alive. And, of course, security around these uh, really expensive robots is not great because he now, like, just wanders the corridors and ends up in the trash because he's following sexy coffee robot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, like, that Like that sentence I just said doesn't even make sense. But Sexy coffee robot. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's our episode that's what title. it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then he ends up in the the trash, which is then carried out of the compound, uh, and they have no security measures for checking the trash that goes out of this compound. And number five is free. He's free in the world. He's he's out and, and about. Wanders, and then they try to call him back. They try to tap into his program, and all they get is <laughs> malfunction with seventeen Fs, <laughs> yeah. which I kind of like. Like, if I don't want to do something, I might just text back malfunction to everyone. Well, from now on, if I don't understand something, I'm going to say, need input. (laughs) (laughs) Input. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, this is where the movie takes yet another unfortunate turn when it introduces us to Ali Ashidi's character. Yeah. (laughs) Who is possibly mentally impaired. Like, I... It was really hard for me to t- to make any heads or tails of her character because well she's oh, where to start 
Yeah, okay. Well, she believes in aliens. That's that's a place she to start. She thinks he's right? an alien. And then yeah. when it turns out, it's when it's made very clear that Johnny Five is a robot, she goes, you're a robot? And I was like, <laughs> what are you, stupid? Like, obviously it's a robot. Very Fucking clearly. Dumb dumb. Like, like, oh my God. <laughs> but she's God, willing she's to be. She's also not a good actress. No. She Her... and she. Go ahead. She did not age well. Like she, she was cuter in the younger movies. You know, she was like this kind of mysterious teen, this teen with angst. Well, now and we know here, why John Hughes didn't give her any lines. Yeah, He's like, well, actually, we're gonna make you the the, the quiet one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, and here she's playing this completely different figure, right? From like Breakfast Club, where she's this like really naive, um, really weak character who loves animals um and so that's her thing is she has like all of these um abandoned animals or animals that need shelter that she's housing and um you know she's just she has a lot of love to give but it just it doesn't come across that way it just comes across as like she's kind of a psycho living alone with like all of help. these animals like she, yeah. she needs medical attention she needs to talk to someone like an intervention is in order she exactly someone i forget who says this to her now it was that woman who was at her house i don't know who it was but she's like I don't either. you know they've you know the the landlord like doesn't like that you've been keeping all these pets around she's like i told him it's just temporary and it turns out it's been years and yeah. she's like she keeps being like i have to take care of my animals and at one point she bends down and starts petting a raccoon that's on her porch <laughs> and then she's on the phone later in the that evening and she's like making red sauce, like cooking dinner. And she's on the phone with someone. She's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I draw the line at snakes. She yeah. says this line as she is feeding a spoonful of her red sauce to a skunk to taste <laughs> for feedback. I know. And Ugh. she has like pigs and geese. Like, why would you even need to have geese uh, fenced up? Like, they, like most like, the animals that <laughs> let she them has. Roam. Yeah, that's just, just... No, that's exactly it. Because she says stuff in the movie so many times, like, "Well, if I leave, what'll happen to my animals?" And I kept writing down, like, "They'll be fine. Like, they have <laughs> instincts. Like, they will be okay. They don't actually need you." Most of the animals that you have, they you're don't even know they are yeah, being taken care of. <laughs> okay, so now and we have to talk though about the abusive boyfriend because <laughs> yes. this. That's. <laughs> What is introduction? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> so we're introduced to him as, as he's trying to abduct her dog. Yes. In the least like subtle way possible because he's carrying <laughs> with him a crate that says in giant bold letters like medical research. <laughs> I was trying to just understand like who wrote this scene in which the ex-boyfriend... I understand, like, we're not supposed to like him and we have to signal to the audience that he's not likable, but the best you come up with was, like, her ex-boyfriend is such a tool that he tried to abduct her dog to sell to medical science research. <laughs> <laughs> so also, weird. like, which, like, medical science research unit like, is just, yes, like... dogs. Please bring us all these stray dogs. <laughs> and... <laughs> Of course, like, 
And he's also just, like, really lackluster in that, like, the dog is on the roof somehow, and he's so weak. He's like, come here, mm, you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> come here, you dog. I can't get to you. So he just, like, he sucks, and his character is just so uninteresting. Um, but he But also, will like, sh- I can totally understand how they were a couple. Like, you, t- it is you get that, yeah. 100%. Is it a mystery to you, or is that fair? No, I it's it's fair. I'm just like thinking of um, how she keeps thinking that he is in her house, and I find that really disturbing. Right, so like there's a point where she's like taking a bath. This is a little later in the movie, and she's completely vulnerable. Right, she's mm-hmm. naked in the bathtub, and she's like, "Frank, is that you?" And I'm like, "What?" Like, what type of relationship did you have where even after a breakup, like, your first thought is that your ex-boyfriend is creeping around in your house? And you know, like, that's... that so familiar to you that, like, you say it with such nonchalance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, actually, it's the uh, the robot that is now obsessed with you that's in your house. Uh, Which <laughs> so we it's have all no good. issues with. <laughs> okay, so... I really did ask, like... Is she falling in love with this robot? I don't know. This reminds me, this is kind of random, but I'm playing Fallout. Have you heard of these games, Fallout? They're so good. They're they're by the makers of like the Skyrim Elder Scroll uh, games, so they're they're very similar. It's just like quests on quests on quests. <laughs> and um, anyways, Fallout takes place or takes place in a post apocalyptic world, so it's like very in line with what we're talking about right now, um, or like this season, right? Yeah. So, but there is one quest in this the most recent version I've been playing where you have to go track down a sex bot. And the sex bot's name is Fisto, F-I-S-T-O. No. <laughs> and then bring him back to this really, like, you know, this person who wants to, like, use the sex bot. Anyways, I, I hope just, you were like... handsomely compensated for that side quest. Oh, yeah. You get 300 bottle caps for that, which is... All that's right. no short change. Yeah. All right. Um, so, anyways, um, but it's just... It's funny that, like... There's this, like, in my life recently has been a lot of discussion about, um, or not discussion about, but (laughs) instances of weird human techno desires is what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, it's also weirdly a, a, a sort of, like, just perfect transition from weird science to this then. Right? It, I mean, except that I don't see how this robot can be in any way... <laughs> Um, attractive. Well, okay, but here's the thing, Sam. I yeah. noticed a really weird body part on this robot. What? So, okay, when she first encounters him, ca- encounters is, number like, five. A shot of robot penis at some point hidden in this movie. <laughs> I think there is. So, <laughs> okay, there's this moment where. She's um, she first encounters him and she's like, come with me. And she's trying to get him number five to come with her into the house. Right. This is their very first encounter. Mm -hmm. And at first she uses both arms to like gesture towards her. And number five just mimics that movement. And then she uses just one finger and does like a come here motion. (laughs) And I swear to you, Sam, a different (laughs) appendage in the middle of him. 
just like suddenly rises up and does like a scorpion tail. What? Come here. I'm not kidding you. Oh I God. swear. I think there's robot penis <laughs> in a family movie. I think uh, it's there. I think it is there. I believe you. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> or maybe I just imagined it from my my Fisto experiences. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> And so, yeah, basically, Ali Sheedy and this robot develop a friendship. She lets the robot, like, stay up all night watching classic movies, which, like, is that's not charming. Like, that's so lazy and uh, from a writing no. perspective. And they dance like in a Freda stairway, except it's not even as like nice as that sounds. And then finally, yeah. <laughs> like the robot gets philosophical and understands that like being deprogrammed is the same as dying and gets an understanding of death. Mm-hmm. And then he says, death is forever. And she's like, yeah, death is forever. And I was like, oh, my God, please structurally come back because that can only mean good <laughs> things, you know? I would also, love the idea really of good... like them both like going down in a blaze of glory. Like they hold hands and go like, "Death is forever," and then like <laughs> Thelma and Louise off a cliff or something. Yeah. Also, that was a really good robot voice, Sam. Oh, thank you. Like I'm very impressed by it. Okay, can, um, I'm being very like uh, vulnerable when I tell you this and our five listeners this, but <laughs> <laughs> J.K. We have like between three and five hundred right now. Fuck yeah. All right. But, so uh, it... people accuse me of having a robot voice. <laughs> oh. Because I don't have... Uh, it's really hard for me because it, well, I hear my voice in my head so much more... It's It sounds so different than how it sounds to everyone else or when I hear it recorded. And so I hear all this emotion and inflection in my voice. But then when I hear it back, it's so flat. And I think part of it is just because <laughs> I have like such a low voice. But yeah, it is very low. I know. Um, this makes me sad when someone makes this <laughs> perennially. I get a joke about having a robot voice. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. No, if it's I, okay. <laughs> if I brought up something painful. No, no, painful. it's not raw oh. at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now I have further fodder to make fun of you for later. So exactly, this is, this is great. Exactly. <laughs> oh, what else was I gonna say apropos of that? Oh, yeah, about my voice being low, because this is like, was it Ryan who told us that when you're recording, if you get to a point where you know you messed up and want to edit it out, make a high-pitched noise, because then it will register visually on our sound recording software. I'm immediately thinking of uh, (laughs) Tron, dude. I'm thinking of the scream in Tron. (laughs) But we were trying to get it to register, and I couldn't make my voice high enough for the the, the pin to rise. (laughs) So, yeah, some of us just can't do that. Yeah, you, I'm sorry, dude. You're just that, um, the voice acting, you know, train has probably sailed for you. Mm -hmm. And yes, I know that I just said that a train was sailing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. But yeah, Yeah, no, you just run with it. You're, I'm sorry, dude. You're just, that's not, that's not in the cards for you. I don't think it's for me. (laughs) Yeah, probably for me. I'm, I mean, I'm good at everything. (laughs) So, I could do whatever. Yeah, why not? <laughs> sure. Um, That's the spirit. Also, speaking of voice actors, I know I'm obsessed with this, but hey, I'm obsessed, and this is the obsession digression. Right. There are, like, crazy famous people who are the voice actors for Fallout, too, the game I'm playing. Oh, like And who? it's really exciting. So, uh, Ron Perlman. Oh, yeah. Hellboy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, Dr. Venture from Venture Bros. Nice. 
Yeah. So, anyways, it's just exciting. I but, had um, um, a Bond video game when I was in high school where Heidi Klum was the voice of the Bond girl. <laughs> and it just kind of made me sad for her because I was like, this is as close as you'll ever get to being a Bond girl. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're just not there, Heidi. I'm sorry. You tried. So, yeah. Well, I had a Spyro game that was voiced by Elijah Wood. And I, like, <laughs> at, even as a kid, I was like, this Spyro sounds like wimpier than usual. And I was dissatisfied. Yeah, something's <laughs> off here. <laughs> I was like, I want the like nondescript. This pubescent sounding dragon sounds even less pubescent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so we should we should talk about though um, the rich the, philosophical the love- discussion about you know the possibilities of life and the soul in uh, artificial uh, robotic life. No, I was going to talk about very cheap uh, love story. In oh, this, oh, this... that's what you want to talk about. Okay, yeah, yeah the yeah. very predictable uh, Steve oh, Gutenberg disgusting love story. Like it made me want to actually vomit. Do they actually even touch each other? That's why I didn't remember. Like maybe they kiss once I or don't... something, but there's there is no sexual energy between none. them. There is that not is a hint. This is like people who have never heard of sex. Right. So right. to me, it's, it's, Steve Gutenberg is perennially the um, the dad. He's like mm-hmm. just the dad figure. I've never seen him ever as like a sex object. You know what I mean? Like there's just like no, he's too jovial. He's too like goofy to mm-hmm. exude any sort of like appeal. Mm-hmm. And so... And I get that in this movie, he's, like, playing a nerdy scientist, so, like, that should be toned down anyways, right? Like, he's not, you know, he's not supposed to be, like, a Max Rokotansky or whatever. Nonetheless, <laughs> like... I mean, he's, the... like, he's like a B-string Tom Hanks. He's, like, a Bobo Tom Hanks. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, but even, yeah. Tom oh. Hanks has tons of charisma, but he does not, even he doesn't have, like, he's not a sexy actor. Like, he doesn't exude no. sexual energy at all. No. I'm trying to think of an exception to that, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Um, so, yeah, there's no there's no sexiness whatsoever in this movie, except for the robot. <laughs> the lewd robot. And Fisher Stevens. <laughs> yes. Um, so, anyway. that should have been the love story. Yeah, that would be more interesting. Um, but the plot, okay, so, um, as the, like, designer, Gutenberg, um, playing Dr. Crosby, is sent out to retrieve number five, and keep in mind, he doesn't know that number five has been changed, mm-hmm. right? So, uh... menopause. <laughs> the change. Uh, so he's on this kind of adventure, he apparently has not left the office in years because he doesn't remember how to drive. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Even though the, the like, compound is clearly far away from any sort of human habitation. And so, like, I got the sense that, like, Gutenberg has just been locked in a cage, basically. Well, it was just, like, what... How are we to understand this character? Like, wh- how are they trying to characterize him? Because is it, like... I don't think it's the case that he's misanthropic. No, but I also, he's fine. I think they want you to think maybe he's just like shy, but like he's also like 
he's also very like articulate and has like a relatively dynamic like personality like in conversation with anyone else in the movie and so Mm -hmm. it's not that he's like really shy so it's just like well what is his arc then like what is being drawn out of him like throughout the course of this movie it's like totally unclear and he well it's sexual fulfillment it's like it's that you know oh go ahead he's got a well sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you it's just that like the arc is he's got to get it in, right? Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, that does not happen in this movie, though. No, I know. It's and just... it's also, like, Steve Gutenberg clearly, like, just does not care about being in this movie because he just, like, for basically, like, after the first 10 minutes, like, every scene he just walks into, he's just kind of, like, mugging it for the camera a little bit, doing, like, a little, like... Yeah, yeah like, sort of, like goofball like face work for the camera and like that's the extent to which he's willing to act (laughs) fair i mean that's true um i'm sorry i'm so sorry to go back but like i really need to say again like how off-putting i found ali shooty as a character in this movie like i'm not ready to like be done saying that like i I wrote down (laughs) in my notes i said if i knew her in real life i would be tempted to bully her (laughs) <laughs> that's that's how offended I was oh my by gosh. her. See, I had the opposite reaction. Where like she's such a non-entity to me. Like I, I didn't even like pay attention to her in the movie, right? Because she just she seems so uninteresting that I was like, ugh. Okay, let's get back to the to Johnny Five. You know, yeah, but just like the way, like it was that weird confusion or conflict of her. I think fancying herself as, like, a real direct shoot-from-the-hip kind of just, like, real talker with, mm-hmm. like, her just doing the most insane things that made no sense. Or, um, like, when... Okay, we'll get to the boyfriend returning. We'll talk about that later. But, like, what weird thing she does where she, like, compulsively accuses Steve Gutenberg of lying to her, like, seven yeah. times. And you're like, no, no one lied to you. Like... Stop saying that. Like, no, things you just didn't understand what was going on. Exactly. She'd be like, you lied to me again. Like, no, no one lied. There's also a scene where she agrees to meet Gutenberg in a bar, and you're like meant to think, like, it seems like the director's one or director wanted you to think that this was like kind of like a rough bar, you know, mm-hmm. but it's actually the most <laughs> right, like, like just bare innocuous place possible. And she like strides in and she's like, Hey, Tammy to the bartender. <laughs> yeah. and you're like, that does not mean you're fucking cool. Like that does no, not no. Uh, establish your street cred whatsoever. Oh, it's so bad. And her name is Stephanie in the film. Mm-hmm. And I just like, it's not a badass name. I'm sorry for people out there named Stephanie, but just like, you know, I don't know. It's just like, not like she can't be that figure that you're describe or that she's trying to be that you described, right? The like badass, like humanitarian, I'm going to stand for my rights type of gal. That's She's funny, not that. Because I actually, um, I used to wait tables with someone named Stephanie who was like a legit badass. And so like mm. she pales in comparison. Fair enough. Does okay. not deserve the name. <laughs> yeah, she's not earned it at all. <laughs> so basically the second half of this movie is like the m- most sluggish chase scene you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it has. I think I, like I can't even describe it sequentially because it just like i know it's just all i mean muddled. it's just 
keeps going. <laughs> Can we talk about the vehicle that is at the center of this chase scene? Is her food truck? What does she do with this truck? Does she just dispense like sort of vegan snacks? I think that's sort of the implication based on the copy I... painted on the side. Yeah, it's like it just Steph's says, like, snacks. Granola yogurt you yeah. know <laughs> like uh all right but then in I'm the, not sure in I'd the buy shack yogurt itself from a, from a truck stop but i like all i took away was it from it was that like there's a bunch of ketchup in it yeah <laughs> like... right and at one point maybe they switch trucks i don't know but like all of a sudden then the back of the truck is full of electronics oh yeah they do switch trucks okay, because they right. they're in gutenberg's uh nova van which conveniently enough has a bunch of spare robot parts yes so that in uh less than oh 18 seconds Mm -hmm. johnny five makes another robot as a decoy yes yes before we get to that let's talk about the (laughs) other four robots who have been sent to find and capture johnny Mm (sighs) five he takes down these robots by so easily mud into the like quote, I'm using air quotes eyes mm-hmm. of the robot as though it would disorient a robot in the same way as if like a human got mud thrown in their eyes. Yeah, and one then, of them like he yeah, has a well, he just has like a a rope trap yeah. for it, right? But again, constructed <laughs> in like five seconds, something like that. Yeah. Oh, that makes um, me mad. It's just, it's so unbelievable, right? It's just like these four other versions of himself with the same destructive capabilities, but not the human ingenuity Mm -hmm. are um, tracking him down. And he, I mean, like this whole sequence lasts like maybe two minutes (laughs) of like... The sequence rests or hinges on the fact that all of these robots have clearly defined on off switches like yeah. <laughs> on them <laughs> oh i know he's like wise. he's like now let me open your chest up and just push a like very accessible button on this incredibly dangerous <laughs> destructive machine and it's just like off that's and that's, and that's you're that. done and we're done here and then yeah. apparently the the guys can't like the the nova guys can't reuse them <laughs> like then it's just like yeah it's so oh okay and then somewhere in this oh i'm sorry go ahead well i want to return to the boyfriend that's exactly where i was going to (laughs) nice so in this whole chase scene you've got like gutenberg and um stephanie i should call him crosby crosby and stephanie (laughs) you got gutenberg the goot (laughs) the goots the goots um (laughs) So in all of this, somehow the boyfriend has decided to reinsert himself in the plot. And that's the only way I can describe it. Um, by thinking that there's going to be a reward for catching Johnny Five. And so he, at one point, confronts Stephanie at her house again. So again, like just trespassing on like very intimate spaces. Uh, mm-hmm. And tries to like shoot uh johnny five but fortunately he has johnny five has been watching a lot of john wayne um and also sam this is such a side note but have you noticed how often john wayne has shown up in all of our movies like or not all of them but most of the movies for this season or just like the western right yeah As like, but like a model well, I was thinking of, like, in Repo Man, there's that extended conversation about John Wayne's oh, sexuality. Yeah, right. 
Uh, he shows up in Weird Science briefly, um, mm-hmm. like his accent does. Like, it's... The 80s was obsessed with John Wayne, and it's something that I didn't know before this season, but, like, he's everywhere. So, and Johnny, in this movie, is, like, trying to adopt more so than any other kind of movie persona. He's trying to be, like, a John Wayne-type character. Yeah, 100%. Except that only when he remembers that he is, in fact, a weapon... <laughs> when he's not going no and running no, away uh, <laughs> or when he's like, being the uh, lasers <laughs> <laughs> um okay so now yeah so i'm so sorry i i got lost in what you're saying did you say specifically how he disarms the uh, boyfriend well so i that's what i was trying to get to so he disarms oh, him I'm by sorry. oh it's okay it's this is I mean, it's a messy movie. It's it's going to be a messy mm-hmm. uh, description. So he um, has, like, this metal plate that he somehow keeps, like, uh, what's the word? Like, just ricocheting the bullets that the boyfriend mm-hmm. is firing at him. He uses it like a shield. Yeah. And uh, then, uh, how does this actually happen? How does he disrobe? <laughs> so- oh, he shoots his belt. Yeah. He lasers his belt. That's what it is. He lasers Frank, the boyfriend's belt, so that his pants fall off. Which, ugh, I mean, I under, I remember this as being, like, a trope of so many kids' movies I watched when I was a kid, right? Of just, mm-hmm. like, someone being humiliated because their pants fell down, and it was, like, the height of comedy. Right. But also, like, this guy is straight up trying to murder you. <laughs> like, maybe, like, when his pants fall down, you should use that as an opportunity to run, not to fall over on the ground laughing, as Ali yeah. does in the moment. <laughs> and then she goes, exactly. yeah, yeah, Johnny Five, get him. <laughs> like, uh, get no. him. <laughs> like, call the police or get out of there or do something. <laughs> yeah. And does he, he just storm off humiliated? Gun. Yeah, he's like, I'll I'll be back or something. And then he disappears from yeah, the plot spoiler entirely. Alert, he does not come back. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll get you again. And uh, I guess like 15 minutes of deleted scenes was uh, <laughs> another Frank and Johnny Five battle that <laughs> yeah. we fortunately have been denied. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. Can, are, are we ready to wrap up this uh I'm trying to think of dispel? what else there is to talk about. Um, Nothing. <laughs> oh, so then Steve Gutenberg, the way that he finally is convinced that Wally, or no, what's his name? Johnny. <laughs> She's called him Wally. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. I, it, you know what? If I was going to mess up a name, that's not too bad. But no. the way he's convinced <laughs> that Johnny is like real or living is that he gets his joke. But yes. I kind of feel like I would not have blamed him for not laughing at that joke. Oh, it was a terrible it joke. Even, was it even a joke? It was just, I mean, yeah, but like uh, it's a racist joke also. Or it's a, oh, was it? It's an anti-Semitic joke. Yeah, because yeah. it's like basically the, the punchline is like, um, I think it's like a, a Catholic, a Protestant, and a rabbi uh, are trying to uh, decide how much to give to charity. And the rabbi, in the end of the joke, 
uh, suggests that he that they throw all the money in the air and whatever doesn't land on the ground, that's what they give to charity. The joke being right. The, yeah, let God uh, take what he wants. Yeah, so it's just it's not funny, but apparently uh, Johnny finds this hilarious. So funny and... that he cannot stop laughing. Yeah, so he, and then finally Crosby's like, he is alive. Oh my goodness. Like he got this lame ass <laughs> joke. Um, so it's, oh, and that's, that's the, the, the critical piece of proof, right? Is laughing at a joke apparently uh, is what, <laughs> what makes this real. Mm. Yeah. And then yeah. there's another scene where Nova once again fucking strolls up and is like, Hey, we want our robot back. And that's when number five creates a replica of himself uh, that they then destroy. And so they think they've destroyed number five. And Well, and so Stephanie and Gutenberg think that Johnny's been destroyed as well. They get in their truck and drive away sad. And then Johnny pops up we, in the back. Can we talk about how like bad they were at seeming sad? <laughs> like, yeah, they're like, this is the last day of shooting. Just want to get the fuck out of here. So. <laughs> I'm so tired. Like they don't even look sad. They're just like no. tired. And and Crosby has this line where he's like, "Are are you gonna be okay?" And she's like, "No, I'm not gonna be fucking okay." Like my friend robot abductor guy just like got blown up. Like I'm not okay. <laughs> it's terrible. It's such bad acting. And then I love they it. Decide the three of them are going to go live on a farm together. Yeah, that makes sense to me. For the rest of their lives, because they They're, all it's, have it's, really compelling reasons to stay together. It's a weird threesome that is oh. only going to develop in complexity. And then, of course, because I was wondering, okay, the last thing I wrote in my notes was, I hate Stephanie and I hate her animals. But now I remember why. <laughs> it's because <laughs> she's like, say, how big did you say your farm was? Do you think that's big enough for, like, a shit ton of, like, domesticated and undomesticated animals? And he's like, why not? <laughs> and then it ends up there. Yeah, oh, that's God. that's the end. But, like, let's imagine, right? Because uh, Johnny has already said that Stephanie is beautiful and that he wants a kiss from her. And as I've argued previously, might have an additional robotic arm. Um I yep. just think that this is headed for disaster. I think that there's... Like uh, a love triangle? There's, yeah, I think it's going to be some real weird stuff happening up in Montana. That's all That's all yeah, I'm going to say no, about that. No, I think that. Stephanie was like, <laughs> landed a man, so now I just have to work backwards and prove that he's a living sentient being. <laughs> yeah. And then, then we're all set. Yeah, then we're good to go, baby. And that's uh, <laughs> uh, that's short circuit. That's the movie of my childhood. That wow. I wow, this wow, wow. this movie shaped me, Sam. And I <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that anymore. <laughs> what happened to Fisher <laughs> Stevens at the end? Does he just um, go off with Fox? No. What's the place called again? Volt Nova. Vol- Nova. Yep. Did you call it Fox? As like as in Fox News? Oh no! I was thinking words that start with V. Oh, like science Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember there was um, a V in it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, no, we don't hear from him again. He he has faded, like Frank, into the background, unfortunately. Well, can I tell you a couple facts? I love facts. First of all, I don't know if you know this, but there is a sequel. 
There is a sequel, which I've never seen. Short Circuit 2, made in 1988. Uh, so this is the synopsis. <laughs> oh, God. When number five is sent from Newton and Stephanie's ranch to the big city to help Ben with his electronics business, he finds that his robotic talents are wanted by city lowlife who want to turn number five into profits. That's P-R-O-F-I-T-S. It also... Sort of seems like they want to turn him into a sex robot. Maybe I just have sex they, robots on the brain right now, but yeah, I mean, I introduced it with the yeah, with the fisto. You accepted me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, like clearly, the lesson that the filmmakers took from the first movie is was like Fisher Stevens as an Indian guy, comedy gold. So we're just uh, gonna make him like put him front and center with this robot. Okay, then, I I've never seen this, but I I might watch this. <laughs> During our little hiatus, as uh, and come back with a, a brief oh, follow please up. Please report back. Well, okay. And then uh, this is in trivia for the short circuit to IMDb page. Trivia: mm-hmm. Did you know in 2013 a remake of the original film was announced as being in development? No. And you no, know, it gets better. Fisher Stevens stated his interest in returning to the franchise, <laughs> and it gets even better. The proposed remake was said to be darker in tone than the original movies. <laughs> I'm just trying oh, to square no. those two things. Fisher yeah, Stevens coming back in a deeply offensive role in a series that's going to take a darker turn. How? How does that even? <laughs> oh no, dude! This is this is disastrous. That's what it is. That's mm-hmm. I can't wait. <laughs> so I'm just gonna read. Oh, no, do I have it here? Dun, 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 oh, dun, dun, dun. Sam. I'm just going to read two reviews. You're going to read, I'm sorry, two what? Uh, just two reviews. Okay. Do it. Hold, please. I just accidentally <laughs> scrolled down. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's, let's like, cut yeah. out part of that. Okay. Oh, you don't want to so keep all So you've got two reviews there? for us. <laughs> so I have two reviews. It's from IMDb. These are two 10-star reviews. So the first one by Sue McCartan is titled Freaking Hilarious and Well Done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For a family title, this movie is great. No profanity, very little real violence, and a good treatment of what might happen if a machine suddenly became self-aware and had to learn about the world just as a child might. The scene with the girl's nutcase boyfriend is classic. I won't ruin it for what? you. <laughs> the scene in the yard where Johnny learns about death for the first time was very, very well done. This is, <laughs> this is so? one of those situations where the sequels were as good as the first one and just not just the same old rehash stuff. I'd get this movie for my 10-year-old if they wanted it, but even the adults will find something thought-provoking in it. Very enjoyable. Must be one of the first movies where anyone tried to shoot a movie using a robot and not just stop action, animation, or some such. What? <laughs> Clearly, uh, Which, like, well-versed but, yeah. in the, the special effects uh, yep. <laughs> film. I'd love to. I'd get it for my 10-year-old if they wanted it. They no, said I was no. about to comment. <laughs> like not like the 10-year-old's like, Hard no, pass. I do not want <laughs> yeah. that. Like, no, no, I'm good. And I also love very little real violence. Like, just like, like what does there was that no, mean? No one got waterboarded, so it's fine. No real violence. But, like, 
Think about the opening scene where, like, you're horrifically traumatized by thinking that those are real people for it's, for a solid minute it's or two. It's movie magic. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Okay. So what's the second one? Okay. <laughs> uh, just think about what is remaining this or what tracks are. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> 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 so sorry. I'm like delirious right now. All right. Uh, think about what tracks between these two reviews. So this is by Brian T. Whitlock. And the title is Johnny Five is Alive. Nine stars out of ten. Who would have known that an artificial being would develop feelings? In the movie Short Circuit, it could. <laughs> also, that's not answering the question. The question is who dun, would have dun, known? Dun. The answer yeah. is it could. <laughs> In this movie, five robots made for military purposes, armed with lasers, are serviced to protect the USA from certain danger. A storm hits, and robot number five gets a jolt from a lightning bolt and goes completely haywire. In desperate need for input. (laughs) Need input. (laughs) I love this. He's in desperate need of input. He leaves the lab and heads out into the open. There he meets a young lady named Stephanie, who is a big animal lover. He tells her he needs input. <laughs> so sorry. This is the theme. <laughs> she later returns the favor after he deals with her boyfriend by disassembling his red Pontiac. And it was funny when Johnny Five lasers his drive shaft, his hat, his boots, and his belt buckle. After learning to understand life, he gets a kick when he sees her in the bathtub and says, Nice software. Oh boy. Oh. <laughs> I think I'll hide on this one. I have no idea what that sentence means. Wait, I'll hide on this one? Yeah, so the sentence is, he gets a kick when he sees her in the bathtub and said, nice software. Oh, boy. I'll think I'll hide on this one. Okay, that's... uh, (laughs) It's the reviewer, like, masturbating at that point, I think. That's what I took from it. Um, then there's That's the, the scene, only explanation. <laughs> then there's a scene where the other three robots went on a search and destroy mission, which it resulted in stoogification. There's Newton Crosby, <laughs> who is loyal to the company he worked for, gets an eye-opening awakening when he sees how Johnny Five feels. Now his loyalty of the company is questioned. The movie is truly heartwarming and funny at the same time. Not kid-friendly, though. But it's fun. <laughs> But why, like, you didn't describe anything that would say why it's not kid-friendly. Yeah, that's a total mystery. (laughs) But I am just, like, shocked by how many reviews mention how delightful it is when the robot shoots the pants off of her ex-boyfriend. That's the golden moment. It comes up in, like, every third review. (laughs) That's the the classic. That's that's what we're all waiting for. guess yeah oh man so i have a couple (sighs) of questions for us to discuss Mm -hmm. if you're ready i don't want to hijack this i don't know why i said this it's two people i'm gonna cut this out (laughs) what what is this rambling just ignore me (laughs) okay (laughs) i really don't know what's wrong with me today all right it's just like (laughs) you're like just get to the the fucking questions So I have a couple questions to wrap up our discussion of this movie and really just to wrap up the season. So first is this. I thought we might discuss. How did we get from the first half of the season, which was largely defined... And really, this season has spanned only six years, not even a whole decade. 
mm-hmm. we started with these far grittier science fiction techno dystopic movies and within the span of six years they become so much goofier and family friendly like what do you make of that so that's a really good question i don't have like a solid answer except that like i don't mm, this is the time when like film is becoming more and more commercialized right so we're no longer enamored the rise with of, like the franchise film yeah yeah we're no longer enamored of like the blade runner or you know like the kind of rogue film but like i think our season has tracked a very interesting trajectory from um you know these more independent or even just like um you know, like the original uh, Mad Max films are like yeah. completely based in Australia. So it's like these very um, singular independent films. And then we move to um, just like producing films that could very, very readily become sequels and, you know, have subsequent adaptations. Right. So clearly, like Short Circuit was designed with that in mind. I think Weird Science, even though there wasn't a sequel, is designed with that kind of like, oh, well, in the next one, you know, she takes on an entire gym full of horny boys. You know what I mean? It's just like there is an anticipation for profits that um, is definitely becoming more marked. And with that comes this like just more like kid friendly or even just like teenage friendly attitude. Yeah. So it's sad. Quick side note, I just Googled there was a weird science sequel that came out in 2013. No! <laughs> I did not know this. I just uh, saw it on uh, IMDb. But I, I, I don't uh, mean to derail what you're saying. I think that that makes total sense to me. That I think we are seeing, over the course of our season, the rise of like the sci-fi film's commercial appeal or viability. Mm-hmm. And so they're being... Yeah, and I think... You really hit on it to like compare Mad Max 2 with Mad Max Thunderdome because you see Mm -hmm. the one as this film that's being made really just for the director's, according to the director's sort of vision, and it doesn't seem at all compromised by any sort of um, thoughts about who its audience is going to be. Whereas by the third one, it feels very much like um, a very sort of... uh, strategically constructed film right or Mm -hmm. or sort of like market research went into the making of that film and of course i mean overhanging all of this right um are the star wars films um because like and et right so it's like these this massive influence this spielbergian influence especially Mm -hmm. it's really coming to the fore and it's trickling down to these like solid b-level movies like we've been talking about for the last few episodes i mean if Um, we wanted to do a reading uh, i think not a full reading but just of a moment like when ali sheedy thinks that she's found uh an alien and disappointingly it turns out just to be like a robot facsimile like Mm -hmm. that is sort of exactly what it feels like watching short circuit that this is a knockoff (laughs) cheap knockoff version of like a much better alien movie called et yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so 
so I, but it's an interesting narrative to kind of track as well. So I have no regrets. And I mean, no, I, I have great. some regrets, but, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I have like a few hours of my life back, but yeah. <clears throat> sure. Um, but for the most part, I'm just, I'm glad that we have kind of started with what I figure are like really sci-fi gold, you know? I've got a solid basis and then I moved to its cheap imitations. Mm -hmm. And so I understand a little bit more about say, like how terrible Hollywood is (laughs) and like what it does to original contributions and then makes them so hackneyed that we then get to short circuit. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And then the other discussion question I had, which um, you already sort of hit on, was like, well, what do we make of the role of the Western in all of these movies? And I guess I would, part of the reason I was thinking about this was because it's come up in every episode, but also I was reading um, over the weekend a bunch of Pauline Kael's essays. Um, she was, for anyone who doesn't know, she was the New, York, New Yorker film critic for like a couple of decades from the 70s through the 90s. She's really interesting. And she has this really great line. I forget what movie um, I was reading the review of that she had written, but she says something like she sort of disparages like the Western genre as essentially being um, a genre whose project is to. Uh, Let me make sure I get this right. I'm not going to get it right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I'm trying (laughs) to tell us that the, the myths were false that we never really believed in anyway. Like that that is sort of the project of the Western is to like mm-hmm. sort of like sort of uh, uh, wax nostalgic over these sort of myths of the U.S. that can't be true or can no longer be true, but we never really believed in them anyway. Um, and it feels like these movies are in some ways picking up that project where like they're trying very hard, particularly those early ones we watched to like sort of earnestly reinvest that Western figure with meaning, even if the Western, the the imitation of the Western figure, like in these later movies we watch is sort of much more like apparent and explicit. Like we have Kurt Russell, like really trying to re-embody that Western archetype and to really just be John Wayne unironically on one end. And then we have Johnny five on the other end, just clearly play acting. And we're supposed to laugh at him trying to be, um, John Wayne. Yeah, no, I totally buy that, dude. I think that this is like, again, another instance of this kind of failed trajectory, right? Or this like sad trajectory where we get, you know, these like really kind of enigmatic characters who are traversing uncharted terrain and kind of establishing John Wayne-esque laws of righteousness and then we get to completely selfish purposes for like re reusing technology to create a, a sex bot in weird science and but then like think, short circuit. I don't think with this Western question, it's like wholly commercial though, because it's also a political project, right? Like Kurt Russell is like this anti-government, anti-establishment figure who wants to revive the idea of like the sort of just lone gunman making a change and making everything right again um, by rejecting these overarching like power structures or infrastructures. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Terminator has like weird things as well. Like what do, 
like what sort of political project do these sci-fi dystopian movies have by the time we get to weird science and and short circuit mm. yeah i don't i don't know i mean i'm sorry i don't have like a brilliant answer to this sam because like to That's me right. it's like uh is there a I mean, is there a potential besides just recycling sad material and making this this kind of grand trajectory? I keep saying trajectory. This grand mm -hmm. like goal of righting wrongs and being the gunslinger, etc. Is there? Do we actually get that or get any sort of pleasure from then these like really sad versions where we have like a Gutenberg and a Stephanie? Or a, you know, I, I even forgot their names from Weird Science. Oh, the, yeah. the kids from Weird Science. Do we actually get, uh, like, so p for, for me, like, part of the appeal of the Western is that you get this, like, model or this, like, figure that you aspire to be, even though you could never be them, right? So, like, you want to be the rugged John Wayne or the gunslinger in the Stephen King Dark Tower series. Like, there's something appealing about that inscrutability and we don't get that with these last figures we just get i don't know it's they're not terminators they're not trailblazers they're just like yeah maybe it is just that like the the destination then by the end of the season is just utter pastiche where <laughs> yeah. but really because you know you think sorry like, guys the movie is like ostensibly political right where we have this anti-militaristic theme and like that really heavy hitting like opening image of like the tanks just ruining everything right and this big message about like robots shouldn't be weaponized but really like the movie has no investment in those things it's just donning the language and sort of like rough appearance that it thinks it's supposed to have you yeah. know what I mean? Like, we're really yeah. like, there's no depth to that movie. It's all just that sort <laughs> not, of lifeless surface. No, not at all. So, but I think that's like, in a weird way, a kind of fun place to end for this season. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we went from these amazing movies, um, especially Terminator and um, Mad Max. Escape to from then... New York. What a great time. Escape from New York. Yes. And even Repo Man now seems a little bit more appealing mm, to me. Nope. <laughs> no, still, no. Still not on the Repo yep. Man train. Fair enough. Um, the train's left the port. <laughs> the train's sailing. I love, I love mixing these, uh, these travel <laughs> metaphors. Um, okay, well, yeah. So we should say a couple things, just housekeeping-wise. Um, we are going to take a short break, so... If you've uh, been listening regularly, you'll know that we moved from releasing a weekly podcast to uh, a bi-weekly podcast. It's just because we are both busy. Um, we love doing this, though. Um, but we are going to have to take a break of about three weeks between um, seasons three and four. Um, yeah. Just because of our travel schedules. Yeah, i got to get some things done, y'all. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be As back, this, we too. We did not get any money. To we, spreading fact, we nonsense. we lose money doing this, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but should we just quickly announce what season four is going to be about? Yeah, let's do it. I'll, I'll give it to you, Sam. You you All take right. it away. Season four, um, going back to talking about a figure instead of a period. And I like the idea of sort of like jumping between the two because that's really fun. Um, mm -hmm. Is uh, Wes Craven. 
Yay! Dun dun dun! Who I wonder now. Super spooky. Starts out sort of follows these this uh, trajectory that you laid out, where he starts out as like an indie filmmaker and then becomes like a sort of more commercial filmmaker over the course of his career. But uh, it'll be really fun to track. Um, his career from his first film, which is a rough remake of an Ingmar Bergman movie, uh, to you know him on the other side of like the Scream franchise. So, yes, looking forward which to it. Also, we'll be recording all of this during October, so it's I kind know. of perfect. It's it's kind of beautiful how we're we're mapping this out for y'all. Yep. <laughs> that was completely an accident. I'd love to say it was intentional, but it was not. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so before we head out, Sam, what are you obsessed with this week? Okay, I have another arts obsession this week. Yeah. Um, I just got a ticket to see uh, the New York City Ballet's production of Swan Lake. It's oh, cool. kind of their most famous perennial ballet. Um, and I'm excited to see it and just sort of generally learn more about that art form, which I know nothing about. Um, so that'll be by the next time we record, I will have seen it. So um, I'm nice. just... If, if a few weeks or episodes ago, I plugged uh, the theater this time, I'll plug the ballet. Nice. <laughs> what about you? So besides Fallout and uh, sex bots, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> this week... And, How do you and have really, time for anything my, else? <laughs> I know, it's so busy. So actually, um, this is going to be my... As we're taking our break from the podcast, I am dedicating my evenings to... Um, a very similar project to yours, which is reading uh, drama, right? So um, as I'm in Chicago, I'm going to spend like at least every night reading a modern, usually American play that I haven't read before. Um, I say usually American, but I'm going to read a bunch of Ibsen um, and some O'Neill. Yeah, so I'm just kind of catching up. Uh, I never took like a contemporary drama class. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, what? Did you say Emil Zola? Yeah, yes. Um, so I've never taken like a contemporary drama class. So I'm going to kind of fill up a gap in my knowledge alongside every single day researching early modern drama. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read some some new-ish, newer drama. So, yeah. Awesome. I'm so sorry. I think I misheard you, though. So you said read Ibsen. And who was the other person? O'Neill. O'Neill. I think you said Emil. Like Emil's oh. a lot. I was like, I don't think you <laughs> sorry. have plays. Oh, Neil, got it. That's oh, Neil, awesome. sorry. No, yeah. no, that was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> can't see, can't hear. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. So as we depart for just a little while, you know, slower release of a few episodes and a little bit of a break, we hope that um, the spirit of Billy Zane watches over us in our diverse travels about the world (laughs) i don't know why i'm getting slowly choked up (laughs) like we're not ending the podcast we're just taking a break yeah (laughs) but i'm I'm moved by your words i don't know why (laughs) i was trying to be um i got emotional just when you invoked billy zane (laughs) yeah no i have a tear in my eye right now too (laughs) (laughs) but watch over as billy zane just briefly until we come back and then then you can continue like doing your ghost stuff or whatever mm-hmm. yeah I your think that's, ghost things that's right. yeah cool um, in the All meantime right. write us let us know uh what thoughts you had about this season or about short circuit generally at the obsession digression at gmail.com later see ya